Welcome to the third, fifth Tuesday of 2023. There is one more which you may also know as Halloween. That means you only have nine weeks left to learn the mash, the monster mash. Between now and then, how much information can be written about the area in and around Charlottesville? This is a rhetorical wager only. I'm Sean Tubbs, plotting out my moves for the Graveyard Smash. On today's show, the developer of 245 apartment units at 0 East High Street maintains the city must accept public roadways that will be built as part of the project. The city of Charlottesville extends a deadline for a grant program for homeowners, and the Albemarle County Planning Commission discusses whether or not to map potential areas for growth area expansion. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the temperature gauge and humidity still say summer, but increased activity at area schools clearly indicates that fall is among us. Friends of downtown Seaville are thinking ahead to activities on the downtown mall as the nights grow longer. Here is some of what to expect. Mark your calendar for September 8th and the Coca-Cola Block Party. There's a membership drive coming up on September 22nd for those who want to get involved with all of the happenings on the mall this fall. Doggy Halloween and Downtown Safe Halloween are just over two and a half months away, and it's not too early to think about the holidays and magic on the mall coming up Thanksgiving through Christmas. Stay tuned for more information, and thanks to Friends of Downtown Seville for their support of Charlottesville Community Engagement through Patreon. A developer who seeks to build 245 apartment units on land in the floodplain of the Rivanna River maintains that the city of Charlottesville must accept a site plan for the project that contains public roadways and trails. Here's a letter to the city from the firm Shimp Engineering. The June 2nd site plan submittal contained a variety of public facilities, included at the request of the Parks and Recreation Department as public amenities to be constructed by the developer and dedicated to the city of Charlottesville. That site plan submission was the fourth for the project, which has seen a lot of opposition emerge from both neighbors and those concerned with building within the floodway. All of the plans submitted to date show that the buildings would be elevated by being constructed on fill dirt. The fourth submission, as well as the fifth, which was submitted earlier this month, feature two public roadways that would connect the project to East High Street and Caroline Avenue. This was done to address city comments in earlier versions. On August 8th, the Charlottesville Planning Commission made a recommendation to City Council that the roadways included in the plan are not consistent with the comprehensive plan in something known as a 2232 review, referring to the Virginia Code. However, Shemp Engineering argues the city did not meet the deadline to conduct that review within 60 days. Here's more from that letter. The timeline of the review had not been extended by the governing body prior to August 1st. The city has until October 5th to make formal comments on the latest submission from 7 Development. The fifth submission addressed other concerns that were in earlier comment letters. If you're a Charlottesville property owner who lives in your house and you are struggling to pay some of your bills, you've got a few extra days to take advantage of a city program. 
The deadline to apply for the Charlottesville Homeowner Assistance Program has been extended to Friday, September 8th at 5 p.m. Here's a section from the website for the program, which is operated out of the Office of the Commissioner of the Revenue. You may qualify for a grant of $1,000, $1,500, $2,000, or $2,500, depending on your household, IRS Form 1040, adjusted gross income for tax year 2022. The CHAP program is open to households who lived in their house as of January 1st and have a 2022 household income of less than $60,000 a year. The property itself must be assessed at $460,000 or less. The property itself must be assessed at $460,000 or less. Be warned that the online application will not be available on August 30th or August 31st due to scheduled maintenance. The budget for fiscal year 24 set aside $1.36 million for the program, which at one point had been called the Homeowner Assistance Tax Grant Program. For reasons why it was changed, go back and take a look at a May 24th, 22 article in Charlottesville Community Engagement. There's a link in the newsletter. Albemarle County continues to go through a process to review the comprehensive plan that is taking a new look at long-held policies that seek to control where intense development happens. The AC44 process is currently in the second of four phases, and the Planning Commission discussed four specific topics at their meeting on August 8th. I've already written and podcasted about the first toolkit, which covers activity centers. You can go back and read that one in the newsletter. The second covers potential criteria that may be used to determine where the growth areas would be expanded. Tori Canalopoulos is a principal planner with the county. The current plan recommends monitoring development areas' estimated capacity for future residential and business demand, with high-level guidance on when an expansion may need to be considered. The current plan does not talk about the how and where expansion might happen. Canalopoulos said the AC44 process hopes to add more information for that future decision. The updated plan could include factors for how and where to expand, including infrastructure considerations, protection of natural resources and water supply watersheds, and expectations for future development patterns. Canalopoulos said the AC44 process could include mapping out potential areas. The Planning Commission had weighed in with general direction earlier this year. During the April Commission meeting, the Commission asked the AC44 team to consider locations of high-quality natural resources in the rural area, including resources identified in the Biodiversity Action Plan. At the previous meeting, that several commissioners discussed a desire not to expand the growth area if there are remaining developable areas in the current development areas, as having more limited land can encourage more efficient use of that land. The Commission had three options to review. The first would be to make no changes from the current plan in AC44. Option two would be to continue to develop factors for future expansion, as well as develop metrics, but not actually make those changes in AC44. The third option would be to apply the factors to maps, depicting future locations for expansion, as well as possible timeframes, but not actually designating the growth areas in AC44. Staff recommends the latter option in order to allow the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority to plan for expansion. 
With any option that is pursued for this topic, staff wants to emphasize that efficient use of the development areas should continue to be prioritized over expansion, yeah. while recognizing that at some point, it is likely the development areas will need to be expanded to accommodate future housing and business needs. Canalopolis said no matter the option, staff is indicating that some expansions may happen in certain cases, such as adding portions of some neighborhoods that are currently divided by the boundary line, as well as bringing county-owned land into the growth area. Commissioner Julian Bivens said he thought it would be prudent to produce the maps to inform decisions in the future. I think right now, since, since there's, there's an agreement that there is not going to be an expansion of the development area today. That's right. But I think it is helpful to be able to say, if that should happen, here's where it could and how the Planning Commission of 2024 and the supervisors of 2024 suggested that these are the criteria that should be that might be considered. Commissioner Corey Claiborne said he thought Albemarle should keep an open mind when it comes to the county's needs for the future, particularly for economic development. He said he was concerned that Albemarle only has one Tier 4 site, as rated by the Virginia Business Ready Sites program. My rhetorical question that is, what kind of amazing jobs and employment are we sacrificing because of that? Commissioner Nathan Moore supported the pursuit of Option 3, in part because he said much of the remaining land may not be suitable for intense development. It, it makes a lot of sense to me to plan when we might grow that. Like, I'm not again, I'm not saying, hey, let's pave the county, right? Nobody's saying that. But um, but if we want enough land for the people who live here and the people who are gonna live here and the people who are gonna move here because they need to from all kinds of things, um we we have to we have to think about when that might happen and what might trigger it. Commissioner Fred Missel said much of the discussion comes down to timing. He said he would support analyzing potential expansion areas, but not until a longer time frame is set. My feeling is generally that the idea of expanding development areas first triggers a reaction, which is, oh, no, we want our county to stay the way it is. It's beautiful. This is the camel's nose in the tent. If we do this, it's just going to be all over. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and what I would say is I, I sort of caution myself to think, what this is doing is it's asking us, it's causing us to be very thoughtful about preservation as much as it is about development expansion. Missile said water and sewer capacity must drive that conversation, as well as plans held by the Virginia Department of Transportation. He also said he was concerned about any maps that depicted specific parcels to add to the growth area. Somebody starts seeing their parcels identified as the future development area, it's going to start messing with the market a little bit. Commissioner Firehawk did not support the staff recommendation to begin mapping exercises. I, I don't support option three because I don't want to see a map. Firehawk claimed a 51-acre expansion of the development area in September of 2015 for a potential brewery just south of the U.S. 29 I-64 intersection led to a series of speculative sales calls. But developers came and gave out slick brochures to people who were even way past that, like a mile past, more than a mile past, saying, hey, I'd like to buy your land because potentially if they're going to rezone that, well, guess what? They'll probably do this. 
There was also a conversation about how to encourage developers to build at the higher density ranges allowed under the comprehensive plan. County staff have cited a figure that rezoned properties are built out at an average of 58% of the total capacity allowed under the comp plan. Commissioner Biven said that not everybody in the community is on board with having many people in one place. Well, some of us have been on the commission long enough to have where somebody wanted to bring a higher density, higher density project and they got shouted out the room basically. Mm-hmm. And so the issue is not sometimes that the developers have a lack of wanting to do something. It's that our community goes after them if they suggest something as sort of close to a 90% density or an 80% density. By the end of the conversation, the commission seemed to reach a consensus of somewhere between option two and option three. That could involve a generalized map that the commission will be able to review again as the AC44 process continues. Now, podcast listeners, I didn't actually finish this part of the writing, and I'm going to have to go back and insert it into the actual writing. But I'll just say off the cuff, there are two more different areas, uh, these different toolkits that need to be looked at. And should I cover them? Should I write about them? I'm not sure if I'll have time, but I sure would like to. They are taking a look at the rules around interchanges on the interstate, as well as community crossroads. I think I would like to get to those, but I want to know what you think. I want to know what you think about any of this stuff. Please don't hesitate to drop me a line. Thank you. It's been 37 months since I began this newsletter, but you may not know that the information Charlottesville site slightly predates the existence of these digital periodicals, of which this is number 570. All of the material is produced by Town Crier Productions, a company that exists in order to write as much as possible about what's happening. If you've not seen the InfoSeville.com site lately, take a look. Thanks to my Patreon supporters, I was able to give it an interesting upgrade to document more than three years of coverage. Would love to know what you think. In addition to Patreon, you can support this work's continued possibility of being produced with a paid subscription through Substack. Ting, the internet company Ting, will match your initial payments at either the $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year level. The latter comes with shoutouts, as does the $25 a month tier on Patreon. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again another time.